you are not as powerless as you have been led to believe, and that there's something in you that's capable of transforming the most inexplicable circumstances, and to have faith in your own ability, your own God self that lives within you, to know that if you keep persevering and you keep really digging deep, there's got to be some way for you to transform, transmute those circumstances. And just know no matter what, when you do feel alone, that you are loved beyond belief by something that you cannot see. Welcome to the Beautifully Broken Podcast, brought to you by AmpCoil. I'm your host, Freddie Kimmel, and on this show, we discuss the common thread survivors share after walking through the fire, the practitioners making a difference, and the treatment modalities that deliver healing back into the hands of the people who need it most. Witness the inspiration we gain by navigating the human experience with grace, humility, and a healthy dose of mistakes. Because part of being human is being beautifully broken. Mario Campanaro has truly walked the hero's journey. A master teacher in the world of film, TV, stage, he is internationally renowned for his intuitive gifts as a teacher. He is the go-to coach for some of the biggest names in the industry and loved for his high standard of work that he cultivates with his students. Now, in addition, he's performed in television, film, and on the Broadway stage, creating a dream role that anyone would covet. Now, in his 30s, Mario was diagnosed with a mystery chronic illness where he nearly lost his life. And his pain to power scenario is as inspiring as any human I've ever known. Mario, my friend, he continues to pursue his quest for truth, excellence, and authenticity in every area of his life. Mario Campanaro. So for everybody listening at home, we I, I mentioned that you work in, in stage and film and TV. And from the outside, if, if I had a, a, just a starting in, a jumping in question, who is Mario Campanaro? That's a good question. It's, I think I am a person of service. I think I've been pathed to taste a very interesting path of life. And I think that that path has really opened me and awakened me to a specific understanding of the human condition that I can then share with the people that I work with. And that's not only with artists, that also has to do with friendships and relationships and people I encounter. Because of the path that I have walked, it, it helps me to understand people more and help me to see people from not just what's in front of me in this moment, but understanding that everybody has a story and everybody is where they are in their life because of the accumulation of their story. And when you start to understand that, you start to realize that everybody that's in front of you is just like you because everybody is doing what they can moment to moment to live a life of peace, joy, happiness, perfect health, no matter who you are. Even the darkest of people are living that life. And I don't mean that with judgment, but actually that's not true. There are some people that are living very dark lives that I don't necessarily agree with. But even those people are still acting based on what they know in order for their lives to somehow be in a place of balance, happiness, joy, love, and all the things that we try to strive for. So I think who I am is someone that tries to understand myself so I can understand the collective. 
because I have to be able to see a mirror in everybody that I encounter because I can only understand them based on what I've tasted in my life. And I imagine that skill set, which you've cultivated and worked on, and it's evolved through your life experiences, is probably one of your best assets when working with people that are trying to tell a story, that are trying to drop in. Well, I don't even think it's, I think it is a, a skill set because you have to train the mind to think that way. But I think it's also a heart set because the heart has to be open enough to really be open to understanding the human condition. And to be able to see that everyone in one way or another has had struggles. And it's one of the things that we all have in common. And it, there's one thing to intellectually do that, but there's another thing. It's another thing to really use your heart as the second brain or the first brain into understanding other people and accepting other people without judgment. I in complete alignment with that. And the show, The Beautifully Broken Podcast, is about putting the fractured pieces back together and, and what that process looks like and how we do it with grace and humi humility. And I, 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 I know you personally, so I know how you've done that, but I want to allow the people that listen to the show to be inspired by your story. And Mario, there was a time in your life in your early thirties that was hard for you. And if you could just expand on that a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I actually think it started way before my 30s, but in my 30s, that's when things started to become incapacitating. I've always struggled with fatigue issues, but early in my life, I thought that was normal. I don't know if you know what I mean by that, but it's just like, that was my norm. Yes. It was your baseline, of course. Right. It was my baseline. So I was still functioning. I was still going to the gym. I was still working but really monitoring what I can do based on my energy levels. And then I started having a series of really huge drops in energy. And I started to go the conventional route and they started to prescribe a bunch of different pills that were causing more and more problems. And so I basically started taking matters into my own hands and weaning off all that medication and my system completely collapsed. And I've been diagnosed with everything from Lyme to semi-epilepsy to God knows what other kind of mental things that they wanted to blame my physical circumstances on. And so when I started to lose faith in conventional medicine, I had no choice but to really look to myself as the answer because Everything that's being presented to me at that time, I felt was against my experience. Almost like my experience was not believable. Or if I was to go this path, I was going to get more hurt. How did it feel when you met that resistance in standard of care medical system that your experience was not validated? It was demoralizing because I don't consider myself someone that's not intelligent. Like I'm not someone that's uninformed. So I was going to these conventional practitioners with information that was valid. It was information that was studied. It was information that couldn't be denied and that it was being denied. Or it was saying, well, we can't do that based on the standard of care that we're allowed to do based on the powers that be. You know what I mean? Like if insurance is going to cover it or all that stuff. 
So there's only so much you can keep touching a flame before you realize, my God, I'm getting burnt. And so I started really reading, navigating the internet, finding a tribe that had a similar situation to me. Not the exact, but you know, we all had similar stories. And as deleterious as sometimes the internet can be, it can also be something that opens a world to us that we're not, we're not taught because we're led to always believe that the answer will and always does reside outside of you by someone that knows more. And there was something in me that, say, that said, I know me more than this outside influence. And so I started to take matters into my own hand and really learn about you know, I first started with nutrition. I, then I started realizing, you know, microbials may be an issue. Um, so I started really understanding the life cycles of bacteria, fungus, mold, yeast, protozoa, amoebas, biotoxins. I mean, that's a whole other podcast. So I started understanding that. And then I started to understand its effect on neurotransmitters and how it affects um, the blood-brain barrier and how it affects mitochondria. And just everything started to create a world of, you know what, healing is possible if you have the right tools and the right knowledge to actually implement healing. And so my journey led me through really finding specific ways that I can go about implementing healing that's going to bring my body, mind, and spirit into homeostasis. Sorry, my dog is, of course, playing with his toy as soon as I. As I, soon as I hoped it was this. a dog, but that's, he's actually oh, yeah. it, it, probably a little bit of yeah, an applause. Totally. I mean, from your spirit animal. My dog has literally been with me side by side since this started. Like, I don't know how he's not done with me yet, but he's not. But yeah, I mean, he's seen the darkest of the dark, um, and he's been there. And the other thing that I started to realize is the power of the emotional component to chronic illness and the spiritual component to chronic illness. And I started to, I started to learn about the energetic bodies and really going to town with trying to understand those and, and implement that in my own healing process, which then really forwarded my work to and with actors. Because now I'm able to see so many different levels in the work that prior to understanding this road, it was all about just the text and, you know, the formula about the craft. Now I see the craft in such a different way that really brings the actor so alive because we're looking at all components of the human condition and applying that to text and the work. Uh, that's incredible. So. I have a question. So you, so you did all this work on your own. You know, you, you source this information from various tribes and the internet and books and people who are going through a similar experience. And then you, along your journey, you must have found someone with back within that medical field who did validate your experience, who did listen to you, who did help you. Who was that? Right, right. So what I mean, first of all, is when I say I did it on my own, everyone, there's going to be people that come in your life based on the choices that you're going to make for yourself. You know, we all work hand in hand with each other, right? It's just really taking the opportunity to say, I'm going to lead my healing now, and I'm going to allow the right people to now enter my life rather than force myself to go a direction that's creating resistance. 
because that resistance actually created detours to where I needed to be. You know what I mean? It was like shutting doors on purpose, saying like, you know what? You're not supposed to go through this door, dude. Take a hint and go the other route. Ironically, well, to answer your question, my symptoms were getting so bad to the point that I could barely walk, which I know you've tasted in your life. And I think when a lot of people may not understand that level of fatigue unless you've gone through it, it literally feels like you have mono times 10, right? So at that point, I was really convinced based on conventional medicine that this was in my head. So I ended up going to a doctor who was one of the, I believe, assistant clinical professors at Mount Sinai. And her name was Catherine Falk, Dr. Catherine Falk. And she's an orthomolecular psychiatrist. Because at that point, I wasn't really dig in psychiatry. So I started studying the work of Bill Walsh and Carl Pfeiffer and all these pioneers. And was like, oh my God, I, orthomolecular, that's the answer. So I ended up going to her. And the first time I met her, something, I felt like I was seen. And she said to me, this is not what you think it is. And I was like, what, what do you mean? What does that mean? And so all of a sudden, this psychiatrist started to test me for things. Now think about that. The average person will go to a psychiatrist and you'll spend, if you're lucky, an hour. And then a little blue, pink, yellow pill is given to you that in a lot of cases can be extremely dangerous. And I've had those experiences that were really dangerous. So when I had this woman, this professional, this um, compassionate human being witness my experience and really step outside of the box to help, I was like, okay, there are options now and there are people who care and get it. And so she started testing me for specific things like adrenal function, thyroid function, mutations, genetic mutations you know, normal blood panel, and a bunch of other things, the MTHFR DNA mutation. And then one more thing she decided to test. And she, because everything seemed like it was coming back somewhat normal, except for the mutations and stuff. So she was like, I'm going to test you for Lyme disease. And I was like, oh, no, no, I've been tested for that a million times. It always comes back negative. <laughs> and I mean, literally I have. And she was like, I'm going to test you appropriately. And so she tested me through um, a really specific lab. And so two weeks later, I got a phone call back from her. And she was like, I'm so sorry. I was like, for what? And she's like, you came back positive for Lyme. And I'm thinking to myself, why are you sorry? This is great. I'm going to take antibiotics and I'm going to be better. I literally had no idea what I was, I was in for. And so that's kind of, that was the start of, going on the path of healing chronic illness and not thinking there's something wrong with me in regards to my brain. No. And, and, and I, I want to frame this again for, for everybody listening. So we have been in touch, like touchstones, do you know, on different coasts. Wait, wait, can we just say real quickly though, how we met? Because here's two people that are in the same field and the way we met was our colon hydrotherapist. We met through colonics. 
We met through Kalonic. Trying and it we out. We gotta love Jen. We gotta love Jen. We gotta yeah. love Jen. Duty free girls in Jersey City is the best uh, Kalonic hydrotherapy place in 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 the Manhattan area. And she's just such a sweetheart. And she's you've never met a woman so passionate with poop. Yeah, and and actually, uh, in those circumstances where you are so comfortable in such an uncomfortable situation. You get to know her in a way that you're like, yeah, shove a hose at my butt and let's just talk about anything. Yeah, let get it out. I don't so know how I had, she does I, it, but she does it beautifully. Uh, <laughs> every time. So I had been in a I had been in a situation where very much similar to you, I had went through cancer and then been diagnosed with Lyme. And my scar tissue from my cancer had actually started to block off my my colon and small intestine. So I could barely go to the bathroom. So I was seeing Jen as like this last ditch effort and I was so tired and fatigued and, you know, I was miserable. Everything was, every day was effort. And I remember being on the table and she, we were talking and, you know, we're talking about life. And she's like, I remember she also said, she's like, are you single? And I was like, that's, that's a weird thing to say on your, um, colon clean out appointment. But she's like, no, no, she seemed like a, a wonderful human being. I have a friend I might want to hook. Wait, I don't think I know this part of this. Oh yeah. She was trying to hook me up with a friend for a date. While I got my first oh, colonic. Wow. Amazing. New levels of new levels of networking. This is, so she said, she said, you are so compassionate. You're so driven to get better. I want to connect you with my friend Mario, who is going through similar things. And she said, she goes, he's in another country. She were in Switzerland at the time. And I, and I said, well, why is he in Switzerland? She's like, well, he flew over there to this clinic that's world renowned. He was in a wheelchair at the time. Next level healing. And we, we, would, we would FaceTime from Switzerland to New York, both in our beds, both talking, both sharing stories. And you, my friend, you were going through it and you had flown to the other side of the world. Just an incredible, incredible journey. I mean, I was not going to take no for an answer. And so I, and I remember telling my parents because they came, to me, uh, came with me to the airport and I, I wasn't in a wheelchair because I wasn't able to walk. I was in a wheelchair because I was so weak to walk. And I told my mom and my dad, I was like, I don't care what happens. Get me on that plane. Just get me on the plane. And that was the, that was, that was the path in Switzerland. And then I did that to Mexico, for Mexico. And then to go to Arizona and Chicago. And I went all over the place seeking answers because... I knew that this was meant to be part of my life, but it wasn't meant to be my life. And I thank God, God has given me a will, a strength, and a perseverance to fight like a bitch, no matter the circumstances. Because there were times where I literally thought I was going to black out and I was, there was something in me. And to this day, there really is something in me that says, you, you have it in you. You have it in you. Find it, use it, overcome it. That's evident in your work and the, the way you write and you create and what you give back to your community. I mean, every time I read anything you put out, it's, it has that level of inspiration. There's never, a, there's never something that's just flippant or, or I don't need to read this one. It's always that level of commitment and that's what you give. Well, the, the important part of that is for me and, and my objective in, in what I do is that we're living right now in a time where everything is filtered. Everybody wants to 
put out this appearance that life is a certain way. And I think that that's dangerous because life is beautiful, but people go through struggles. And the more we deny that, the more we bring loneliness to the people that actually need a helping hand getting out of that darkness and getting out of that loneliness. And so part of the work that I do, and it's actually not even something that I discovered. It's part of every single aspect of literature and art. All art is born out of the human condition trying to improve itself. Art is medicine for that reason. And you think about it, even if you're sitting down watching reality television, that is medicine for you right now because somehow, some way, you may need to zone out in order for your nervous system to balance out. It's, it's actually serving a purpose for you to better your experience in that moment. We're always making choices to try to better our lives. Sometimes they're healthy choices, sometimes they're not. But choices are there because we are thinking we are going to better our experience. And that's, try, that's really what I try to do in a raw way, is that I try to get the actors and the artists and the people I work with to not be ashamed of the grit and grind that they've experienced in their lives. Because whether people want to admit it or not, we've all been there and we've all gone through grit and grime in our lives. And so when we're really able to connect with that, it actually brings unity to the human condition. And I think that's important, especially for artists, because it's your job to reveal the human condition. And unless you're really willing to see that truth, you're never going to be able to do that kind of work fully. It's impossible. You're telling the story of a human being trying to experience the best life they can through a series of obstacles. And, and what you've gone through has given you such perspective on that depth. Obviously, your tank, it's a little deeper than, than, than most people will ever be forced to go. And you know, whether, that was, you know, that, whether that was a burden or a blessing, it was, it was a little bit of both. I think we're discovering, but that's a gift. Well, I don't, I don't think my tank is just as deep as anybody else's because I think everybody's cross is just as heavy based on where they are in their lives. So a lot of times people will say to me, yeah, but like what you've gone through, it's so much deeper. I'm like, but that's irrelevant because you're carrying your cross and it's actually causing you strife right now. So your cross is just as heavy as mine is based on what's going on in your life. And I think the more we start to understand that, the more we start to understand and respect each other's trials and tribulations. Oh, that's a beautiful way to say of meeting people where they're at. And I'll just, just, you know, very honestly, I have the visceral reaction when someone comes to me and says they have to take, uh, they can't audition for a show for six weeks because they broke their ankle and it's, and it's killing me. And, and they refer to me and they say, well, it's nothing like what you went through. And I'm like, no, it's not. <laughs> Like I have that reaction and, and it's, it's, no, of course. And Freddie, I'm not saying I don't have that reaction because it's really easy to get triggered in those responses, especially when you've walked through Hades. Right. But what I'm really trying to train myself and, and other people that I'm working with to see is I've walked through my Hades, but the person that's in front of me thinks they're walking through their Hades because they haven't walked through my Hades. And I haven't walked, listen, there's people's Hades that I haven't walked through. I mean, think about the Holocaust. Think about, I mean, there's, think about some of the stuff that happened in Haiti. It's like, or what's going on when 
people's children are being ripped away from them at a border. It, it's like that is a different kind of Hades. So we all have this really interesting path. And listen, I can really only speak for artists because that's the world that I live in. But it really, it really is a powerful thing for us to accept as artists to understand people's suffering because it's the suffering that others go through that actually allows us to understand what we're going to be revealing in our work. And if we really open our hearts in a compassionate way, we can actually taste that suffering from the knowledge of our own accumulation of life experiences and then really marry that to our work. That's a powerful artist. Yeah. Even triggering what you just said there, you know, the, the ability of the artist is, is up there doing his thing and they're connecting and they've dropped in. And then the gift of the person watching that story unfold, whether it's from the other side of a TV or a theater, to be able to witness that story at a distance and safely experience some of those feelings, it's medicine what we do. It's nothing short of medicine. And this is why it's so important to not get trapped in a filtered way of life as an artist. Because you have the people that are witnessing you and your work, and they want to see that rawness because, let's be honest, socially, we're forced to live filtered lives. You're not allowed to live your absolute truth. I mean, we can read every self-help book there is out there, but the truth of the matter is, in everyday life, it's, it is impossible to live your absolute truth, and not everyone deserves your truth all the time relationships will come in your life like what's in your medicine cabinet. Some are multivitamin, some are an aspirin, some are a specific relationship for a specific aspect of your life. But as the artist, you really have to endow what it means to live your most private essence through the job of a public figure or a public life or a public work. I couldn't agree more. It's hard. And, and it hurts. It hurts me to hear that and know that there's truth in it and know that I'll have to go through it again. And so will you and so will our, our friends and family. But that is that's what we signed up for. That's this trip around the uh, world and this meat suit. And, and that's you, you don't have a choice. You know, it's either way, it's going to be painful whether you accept it or not. And not a lot of people may understand why we go along this path because it really is met with a lot of obstacles professionally. You know what I mean? Not just artistically, but professionally. But I think the gifts that come from, uh, come from it are inexplicable. Because when you see someone witness your work, and you see someone that feels recognized, or feels witnessed, or feels related, something that, or that relates to, something that they may have to hide in their own personal world that they don't want the rest of the world to see or understand. And then you see it in front of you, you actually don't feel alone in your experience. You feel a sense of community just by witnessing art itself. It's beautiful, man. It's, it's this all needs to go in a book, you realize. Well, there, it, it is. <laughs> the book is actually written it just needs to go up. I need to like publish it. It's called, uh, it's called Activations and it's a transformational guide for the creative warrior. And I've taken 17 years of my teaching and I've put it in little activations for artists 
to have no matter the experience that they're going through because we all go through times in our journey as artists or people in general where we're like sometimes you just need someone to listen a little bit more to your experience and actually have something that may shift the dynamic of your experience and that book allows the listening to happen by you having the intention to get the lesson you need to get. And then you open the book to that lesson. So the book actually has a listening component to it. Well, it sounds like something that most performers out there need to have in their toolkit, and I'm sure they're waiting for it. So I have a, you know, one of the things I wanna deliver on on this show is, is I wanna give people, I wanna give people a frame of reference for where they can almost start to take action. And, and one thing that I, I commonly come across, and nobody really addresses, we, we talk about uh, different modalities we tried, we talk about where we went to pursue healing, but what's not always talked about, and I love functional medicine, but we rarely talk about the cost and what that takes to pursue some of these outside-of-the-box treatments and modalities. And I wondered if you couldn't just speak to some of the finances that your journey entailed. I don't know if that's going to be very uplifting. That's okay. I'd rather have it be authentic. I mean, it's, ah, I'm okay. So the truth is it, it costs. And I'm not just talking about financially, but like financially, listen, you do what you have to do. And life is short. Life is beautiful. And most people fight for their lives because they want to live. And so you do what you have to do to be able to afford the treatments and the diagnostics that you need to actually stay alive. And sometimes that means asking friends and family for money, which I definitely have been blessed in that people have donated, you know, in order to get me to Switzerland, we set up a GoFund. So many people donated. I mean, we raised what the cost was in four weeks. And that amount of money, I'm not going to say how much it was, but it's like, it was a huge amount of money and it went like that. Because medical tourism, can I, I need to give my opinion on this. Of course, please do. That's, um, that is what we're here for. Yeah. So there are incredible doctors all over this planet and healers all over this planet. But to me, unless you're a multi, multi, multi-millionaire, medical tourism is not beneficial to you healing because it can be so amazing while you're there, but you need follow-up. You need follow-up care. You need follow-up care that understands the treatments that you've been given in a country that allows the specific treatments when you come here. And one of the things that people don't realize is that you're going to have to somehow, some way, get those medications in America. If you can get them in America, you're going to have to try to find those treatments, whether they're technological or biochemical treatments in America, and sometimes they're not. And then you're going to have to find a way to afford them if you do find them here. And nine times out of 10, when you do find them here, you're going to have to pay for an initial consultation with the doctor. And then you're going to have to pay for tests in order for them just to say, okay, we will implement those treatments. So I don't necessarily know that medical tourism is the best route. 
However, I will say it was part of my journey that led me to where I was. So I can't deny it. But I now know that a lot of what I got elsewhere has now been established in America recently, the last five, six years. Yes. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm aware of that as well. And I've been following from us speaking. I remember specific things you were doing and then that are now available in Rhode Island and Arizona. And to be honest, some of those things, I would save my money and buy those machines myself and do treatments that I don't necessarily recommend people do by themselves. But at some point, I didn't have a choice. I had to learn. And so I trained myself through hours and hours of YouTube videos, research, literally calling up doctors out of the blue and asking questions, sending emails to doctors, which sometimes I'm like, how did I even get these people's personal emails? And a lot of them, they, a lot of them communicated with me and they helped. You do what you have to do to be able to afford your healing. Yeah. You know, in, in my, in my um, last eight weeks putting together my book and my journey, one of the chapters I go into the financial investment and I literally pulled out my taxes and what I spent on the books, which we know because some things I paid for in cash and some, some things were, um, were barter system. But I had from, from, 2000 and, from 2010 to 2017, about $26,000 a year in out-of-pocket medical expenses, pretty consistently. You know, it was right around that figure. And like I said, that's what was on the books. So it was, it was always much more than that. But again, like you, I'm, I'm thankful if I wouldn't be here talking to you in this situation, in this vibrancy, in this condition and doing the things I do without whether it was the treatment or whether it was the journey that I needed to go through for the discovery, it was a value and it was mine. Well, I think you brought up another valuable tool that shouldn't be underestimated and shouldn't be even thought of. And that's the idea of bartering. Sometimes there are specific circumstances where you may be able to do some work with the energy that you have in exchange for guidance or in exchange for treatment. And there are people out there with huge hearts that understand the financial component to healing and that will open their hearts to help you and, you know, exchange energy somehow, um, whether it's, you know, doing some office work for them that you can do remotely or trying to put out literature based on who those people are and the work that they're doing. There's always options. My point is we can't just take impossible for an answer. This is where we, as the self-healers that we are, and we each have that within us, have to use our creativity and have to use our willpower and our thought processes to really figure out a way to make it happen. Because at the end of the day, no one is going to want you as well as you do. That's a truth. No one's going to want you to have perfect health as much as you want you to have perfect health. My mom might. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, listen, yeah, our parents, of course. She she will break my heart all three times I've been in the hospital with her in the last three or four years. She always looks at me and she's like, I wish I could trade places with you. And it breaks me. Because she it's not funny. She means it. I mean, she means it. 
And to see that and to witness that, it's just like, I just gave myself goosebumps. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's like an incredible act of love, this tangible love of a parent that's, there's no way to describe it until you witness it and you feel it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think with that said, and there's 100% validity, validity to that, I'm talking about the healing field. You know what I mean? Like no one's going to really want your health as much as you do. So you have to do your part in figuring out and contemplating and creating ways for you to actually make that happen. Yes. Participation in your own improvement by 110%. Yeah. And listen, that may be a statement that's not a pretty statement. And I get that. It's not. I get that. It's not. I totally get that. And people may not like that statement, but at the end of the day, I'm sorry, it's 100% true. People hate when I say, when you take responsibility for everything in your life, you can change anything in your life. And they don't, it, it, it really is a hard concept because you start to filter what everything means. And there's, there's a lot of stuff that goes through that, you know, that, that it's not comfortable to take responsibility for. And it's a mindset thing as well. It's, it's just living that way. Well, it, it, yeah, it is a mindset and it's a mindset that we're not taught. It's a mindset that is not necessarily taught in kindergarten. It's not taught in preschool. It's not taught in first and second grade. We're taught that the answers are in the books. We're taught that the answers are in the teacher. But when does the teaching start happen to start at an early age saying, you are the answer? You are the answer. You have to become the answer when you can't find the answer. And the amazing part about going through treacherous circumstances is that you start to learn you're more powerful than you've been led to believe. I mean, look at um, Man's Quest for Meaning. Those are prime circumstances of where in the most horrific and unimaginable circumstances, a human being has to really go within and find his way to survive. And it's a testament to the power of a human being in the most treacherous, darkest, evil of circumstances. That book is, is, is the one. If you, if you were looking for an example of what you're speaking to right now, that's the book to go read. And I don't remember if it's, if it's Man's Quest for Meaning or Man's Search for Meaning. I, th I think it's Man's Search for Meaning. I got, I'll put that in the show notes, but that's an excellent book and everybody should read it and should experience. And the point there is that that's an example of where it seemed like death was 100% inevitable. And this man completely found within him a way to survive. And that power lives within all of us. Now, listen, there are things that we don't have control over. We can't deny that, right? Like, because then people will ask questions like, well, what about children that go through illness and other people that go through illness or if murder happens or this or that or natural disasters? I don't have the answers to that. What I do believe is the circumstances we're in, we have a choice. Do we persevere or do we crumble? And if we choose the first one to persevere, we really have to give ourselves the permission to be the responsible party in that perseverance. 
and then start digging for what you need to do and be and become and own in order to persevere under whatever circumstances you're in. There's power in all of us. There really is. Yeah. There's, there, there is, and it's, and it's so important to discover that and what it means for you and how we bring it home. And what well, really is a journey home? It is a journey home. It's a journey home. That's exactly what it is. You know, and it's so weird you just said that because I was talking to my friend, uh, Aaron Bigelow yesterday. Aaron, as you know, works for a company called Amp Coil. It's kind of a mix between bioresonance, biofeedback, and PEMF. And I remember um, speaking with him about this treatment that you can use in your home. And that's what it felt like the first time I did a journey on that machine. It felt like I was coming home. It brought me to this state of, of relaxation in my nervous system that I had not felt in a very long time. And it's unlocked for me recently tears. Because well, I hadn't been able to cry for a long time. I think probably because I shut it down from going through all those traumas. Yeah, it's, it's weird. It's interesting if you think, and I, I talk to a lot of my clients and my students about this. If you look at, do people don't realize how pregnant tears are? And if you look at Dr. Emoto's work about hidden messages in water, think about what is infused in your tears when you release those. They're pregnant with circumstantial memories that are ready to be detoxed from your life. They're pregnant. If you freeze those tears, can you imagine the shapes of that water? And I think people miss that. And this is why it just drives me crazy when people think crying is a weakness. No. Crying is a human necessity to emotionally and even spiritually, and I guess physically as well, detoxify what no longer serves our best and highest purpose or our best and highest sense of life at that time. Yeah. No, I, I, I want it. I want it back. And it feels so good when it happens. And it's, it's, I, met, I mentioned this to my friend Elizabeth yesterday when we did a, we did a, a, a recording that I won't cry at, at very, very heavy things where I think I should. And then I'll go back and watch those Claymation Rudolph's Christmas or Mary Poppins, and I'll hit a scene and it hits something in my inner kid who could cry, and I'll lose it. I'll lose it. And I'm like, what's that? You know what? Sometimes we don't need to know. So I started binge watching Catfish, that MTV series. I have to watch a lot of TV for my line of work. But I started watching Catfish because it it looped on um, Hulu after I finished um, a specific story. This came up and I started watching. I was like, oh, this is interesting. I became addicted to it. And this is why. First of all, I started sobbing almost every episode because, listen, these people do these acts that really hurt other people. But then you start learning the story of the people that catfished other people. And you start realizing it's all coming from a level of pain. And you re when they start revealing the pain that's caused them to make unhealthy choices, to try to deal with that pain, you start to recognize it in you. That we all have that little kid that wants to curl up in a ball because we're triggered based on past experiences 
in this here and now moment. And when you, st- I just, it, it really touched my heart to see people that are still struggling with these triggers that are just ingrained in them since childhood. And now they're trying to use these actions to somehow survive in the world or somehow some way to get some kind of connection with another human being. And here I am on my couch, sobbing, watching Catfish. And I was, I was actually telling my cousin, she's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm crying watching Catfish on MTV. And she's like, oh my God, you're crazy. I was like, I know. Unapologetically feeling the feelings. I'm unapologetically a fan of Catfish. Yeah. I love it. So, so one more thing I want to give people listening to this, um, this episode is there's many things um, that you try. There's many places that you went. There are many leaders that you talk to, many books. If you, could, if you could give people one or two of the modalities that you thought held the most weight for you in value, accessibility, you believe in the science, is there anything that pops out in your head? Well, obviously, Amcoil. Because I think it's a technology that is breakthrough technology, and it also takes all these different devices and puts them in one machine that actually helps treat the individual physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. And it's technology, so it bypasses biochemistry. So you're not really dealing with how something's going to all of a sudden biochemically throw things off balance. It's there to actually balance the physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual bodies. And what I mean by that is it's different than just taking a pill or taking a supplement where you take one thing and then you're going to have to balance it with something else because you know our blood needs to stay in balance. Our neurotransmitters need to stay in balance. So this machinery actually allows us to bypass that biochemical approach and use technology, um, but also we're made of energy. So why are we not utilizing energy in our healing? It can't be denied. We are energetic beings. So the fact that we don't even think about using the work by Tesla or, I mean, it's, it's a little bit like, to me, it feels a little Illuminati that all this stuff is. Yeah, te- tes- Dr. Tesla, Dr. Hula Clark, um, the Doug Coil, all those machines that were very almost like blunt instruments. And now it's been refined in, in this newest incarnation from, from this company, which, which you and I both use, we both own. And I will say this about Amcoil too, which I think is really important. It's a heart-driven company. I've been approached by a ton of companies that are in the healing field. And one of the things that is undeniable about Amcoil is that you can tell that they're a compassionately driven company that really wants to make a difference in people's lives and help people heal. So much so that they make accessibility to the technology possible for people that wouldn't necessarily have the accessibility to that technology. Um, They have incredible support. And the people that are part of that company have tasted the Hades that most people looking for that technology are going through. And when you have when you have someone that has that that vocabulary within them, they can understand the vocabulary that you're speaking of. They can understand what most people think of like that's crazy. How can you be that sensitive or why are you that sensitive? I would definitely that's one of the go-to's 100%. The other I mean there's 
I'm going to say one that most people don't normally even think of. And that's flower essences. I have spent years now studying flower essences and the miracles that happen with flower essences are inexplicable. Let me give you a prime example. I had I'd love it because that's not something I know anything about. So if you could explain also just before you go in, what is a flower essence? So a flower essence is is it takes the essence or the energy of a flower and it is infused in water and each essence has its own specific power that instructs the body or the, usually the mental, emotional, spiritual and physical sense of the body to be in a place of balance. And you know, I had a client that literally was going through an inexplicable time in front of me. And, you know, I see a lot of things, but there's times where people are literally breaking down. And I, I said, would you allow me to give you this energetic thing? And they're like, well, what is it? I'm, ba- I'm like basically saying it's, it's water because that's what it is. It's water that's infused with an energy. This person was sobbing, shaking, four drops. And this person literally was like, what was that? And I was like, why? What's going on? He's like, everything just left my body. I was like, well, what are you talking about? And he's like, everything just like, I just felt it like leave my body. And I just, the, the flower essence that I gave was yarrow. And yarrow is, it's a, it's a protective flower essence for the auric, uh, the auric field. And it, it helps seal up the auric field. Because when I work with clients, I see energy. I, I, I see the human being in front of me. And then I see way too many other things as well. And like I knew what was going on. So flower essences, and obviously there's Bach flower essences, there's a flower essence society, but there's also one company that I will never do without. And it's called Paralandra. And it, I, I would never be able to do it justice by speaking about it. You have to really read about it. But I, I encourage anyone going through a healing process to research Paralandra, to research MAP, which is the medical assistance um, program. And it's, it's actually one of the things that I felt tangible shifts. Yeah, I think that's, I mean, Mario, you've given everybody so much to think about here. I think just from hearing your story, people are going to walk away with a different perspective on life after listening to the show. I think it's going to hold some great value. And I know it's going to guide some people in the right direction and save them time and money and heartache. And that's, you know, that's, that's the goal. I, the, the other thing I want to ask you is, is if, if people are, are, are interested and they're in the field of the performing arts, if they want to connect with their instrument, whether it's being uh, behind the camera, on the camera, being on stage, speaking, how can they work with you? Well, you can go to my website. It's mariocampanero.com. You can get in touch with us through assistant.mc and then the number two at gmail.com. Instagram, Mario Campanero for the actor on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Mario Campanero, all that good stuff. And yeah, I try to put out a lot of 
videos on Instagram and YouTube with some of the lessons. They're usually really short because we all don't have that much attention span anymore. We're, we're, so I try to get the lessons out there quickly, um, but also in a way that is passionately being revealed. So the YouTube has a lot of the teachings. If you can't take class or you can't coach, can't do one-on-one. Um, and then the blog, you know, especially if people just want something weekly that they can work on about the human condition that they can apply to art. You could just go to my website, mariocampanero.com and then join the blog comes up and, you know, you, you join that and it gets sent right to your inbox. Beautiful. Well, I'm sure people are going to take action on that. I have a couple last questions for you as we're going to end out the show here. So my first question is obviously the beautifully broken podcast. You've been broken. You've put yourself back together in a beautiful way and continue to do so. And so my first question is, would you trade one of the most painful experiences of your life for better days? No. And I, and I mean, and I think most people would say that because they want to sound cool about saying that. But I mean, no, especially because of my line of work. If I didn't know that most horrible circumstance, I would never be able to find the beauty within those ashes to be able to relate it to art and relate it to another person. I have a, I have a human condition vocabulary now that becomes my Mary Poppins purse. That's what I call it. You know how she opens it and she keeps pulling out of it? That's what all that stuff has given me. It has not been fun. It has been heartbreaking. It has been heart-wrenching, but it's given me knowledge. It's given me understanding. It's given me compassion. It's opened me. So no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change it for the world, but I will accept better days because of it. That's for sure. Yes. I know you have those coming in spades. The, the other, the other um, specifically for you, if you couldn't just speak to I'm not here right now. I'm someone who is laying in a bed and they're struggling with their illness and they feel like they're at their lowest low. If you could give me some advice, what would you say? Well, first of all, know that you're not alone. There's always something invisible that's right there with you. And also know, and it's what I say all the time, you are not as powerless as you have been led to believe. And that there's something in you that's capable of transforming the most inexplicable circumstances and to have faith in your own ability, your own God self that lives within you to know that if you keep persevering and you keep really digging deep, there's got to be some way for you to transform or transmute those circumstances if it's meant to be. And just know no matter what, when you do feel alone, that you are loved beyond belief by something that you cannot see because you've been given life. And in order for you to be a given life, you had to have been thought of. And in order for you to have been thought of, you had, to be a, you had to be loved. And you can't deny it. Something created you because it wanted you. So no matter how alone you are, you always remember, I was thought up and I was made. And that's what you hold to. We're not as powerless as we've been led to believe. Well, somebody's going to hear that and that's going to, that's going to change their life. I know me sitting here receiving it now, I felt it in my heart. So I know how other people are going to be able to receive that. 
I, again, I'm, I'm so happy you stopped in today for a full hour to talk to me. Thank you so much. I, for I really, me. I, I, I really am. I, I know you'll be back on. I know we'll talk about other things and other projects. I know we're going to both have some really exciting events coming up in 2019. And, and congratulations, man, on this podcast. It's awesome. Thank you so much. I'm happy for you. It's going to rock and roll and it's going to be, it's going to be everything that we manifest it to be. So again, I thank you from the bottom of my heart. Namaste, Mario. Namaste. This episode of the Beautifully Broken podcast was brought to you by our lovely sponsor, Ampcoil. Guys, a heartfelt thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's show, if you found yourself moved and inspired, I would ask that your next stop today is to drop a review on iTunes. Nothing helps a movement like sharing, downloading, and spreading this message. You can follow me on Freddy Set Go on all social platforms and throwing a screenshot and a favorite quote of your episode in your Insta story or on Facebook. That is the extra credit, next level engagement I am manifesting. So like these little ripples in a pond, your action helps connect this inspired information with the people who need it most. Till next time. I'm your host, Freddie Kimmel. This is the Beautifully Broken Podcast. Namaste.